For those of you who don't know, my name is Pastor Mike Kolecki, and I'm from North Corner Community Church up here on Irving Park, but a little more going west. We meet on Irving and Narragansett, and we opened up about eight months ago. And I want to tell you a little something about me and Pastor Joe. All right, Before we opened up, this is what I knew about Pastor Joe and Metro Praise from the uh, words of other churches and other pastors. All right, This is what I knew about him. Crazy Pastor Joe is what they would call him. Crazy Pastor Joe. And they didn't say it as a compliment. All right? Pastor Joe would take it as a compliment. But they didn't take it as a compliment. They were like that crazy Pastor Joe. The one who would be out there with his church members. With their big Bibles, they would say. With their big Bibles. Bothering people as they walk down the street. Getting in their face and telling them about Jesus. Pastors and churches would say this. And... Back then, you know, before I opened up, I was like, oh, you know, that seems kind of strange. You know, what church goes out there and stops people on the street? So to me, that seemed kind of weird and odd. But then, when, when God put it in my heart to plant a church, I started thinking, well, what type of church do I want to be? What type of church do we want to become? And as I was thinking about that, I was like, well, we want to be a church that's outward focused. Amen. We want to be a church that's kingdom minded. We want to be a church that's not a... Build it and they will come, church. Right? We don't want to be a field of dreams. Right? We want to be a church that goes. We want to be a church that goes. So as I was thinking about this, I said, okay, we want to be a going church, an outward-focused church. And then I said, I want to connect with people who already have that mindset. So before we even opened, I started connecting with people who had that mindset. And then God put it in my mind, my heart, in my mind, and he said, crazy Pastor Joe. He's one who goes. Pastor Joe goes. So I said, you know what, I gotta meet this brother for myself. I gotta find out if he's really as crazy as people thought. And he is as crazy as people thought. But he's crazy about Jesus, okay? He's, tra he's crazy about the gospel. So when I met him, you know, I fell in love with him in a manly sort of way. I'm a sergeant in the army, okay? So I'm, I'm a manly sort of way, you know? I, I, I know what I am, all right? So, you know, I fell in love with him, and then I met some of his, his people from Metro Praise and fell in love with you guys, and uh, even though me and Pastor Joe aren't exactly 100% eye-to-eye on every doctrinal issue, okay? I might have more in common with people in my own denomination theologically, I might have more in common with people from where I graduated from uh, college and seminary. I might have more theologically in common with them. But when it comes to action, when it comes to the work of the gospel, we enjoy like this. Oh, We're like this. We're 100% on point, y'all. All right? So that gives you a little background with me and my relationship with Crazy Joe. All right? And when you see him, you can say, hey, Crazy Pastor Joe. Gotta say Pastor Joe, okay? Yeah. Crazy Pastor Joe. My wife still calls him Crazy Joe. When I say, yeah, me, I went with uh, Pastor Joe. I went with Pastor Joe today. She's like, oh, Crazy Joe? And I'm like, yeah, Crazy Joe. So uh, just gives you a little background of what we're about, y'all. But I knew this guy, and he was a Navy radar technician. He was a Navy radar technician. And his task was to track the presence of Soviet submarines off the Atlantic coast of the United States. And he would say at times, that he had to track several of them at the same time and know exactly where they were and exactly what they were doing at all times. Because a Soviet sub back in the day, and even today, is a very dangerous weapon. It was a big threat to the United States. So it was up to this Navy radar technician to make sure he knew where the enemy was. And if the enemy got a little too close, it was his job to sound a warning and let us know they're violating our space. They're coming a little bit too close. They're getting near. This man 
was a watchman. He was a watchman. And that's why we spend so much time and money gathering ed, uh, information on potential enemies and their activity. Because we need to be ready so as not to give the enemy the advantage of a surprise attack. And when intelligence breaks down, what happens is that we have events like uh, Pearl Harbor or September 11th. All right, when we forget to be the watchman. And we're going to talk about Ezekiel today. And God compared Ezekiel's job as a prophet to that of a watchman. And he was to give a warning from God and was expected to pass that warning on to everyone else. And the task of the church and the Christian today is very similar. We are to be the watchmen who confront the people with the message that God has for them. We are to be the ones who sound the warning and let them know there is an enemy approaching. And you need to do something about it. You need to get ready and get yourself prepared. So I know there's times when, even in my own life, where I'm not always the watchman that I'm supposed to be. There's times where I fail to proclaim that gospel, gospel message that was entrusted to me to preach and give that warning to people. I can remember in my own life, when, when I first became a Christian, and it still bothers me today. Now, I became a Christian back in like 95, right? But it still bothers me today because I remember when I was coming off the train at about 5.30 in the morning, coming home from American Airlines. I worked at O'Hare Airport at American. And I was coming onto the train, off the train and onto the bus. And I got on the bus and it was a bus driver, just me and the bus driver. And the Lord kept pressing in my heart, talk to him about Jesus. Talk to him about Jesus. Let him know about the gospel. This man needs to hear about Jesus. And you know what I did? Nothing. I stayed quiet. And you know, it still bothers me today. Because I know I didn't do what the Lord told me to do. And I wonder about that bus driver. Did anyone else give him the warning that I was supposed to give? Or did he perish? Was I the last one who was going to talk to him before God required his life? Was I the only chance this man had? And it bothers me even today. I think about it. I think about it. Because there's times where I don't always step up to the plate and do what I'm supposed to do. And my guess is that there's some of you here today who fail to provide that warning to other people of the sin and the consequences of their lifestyle if they continued on that road. My guess is some of you also have uh, had that experience today. But the Bible explains that watchmen must guard against the dangers that the people face and provide warning before they experience destruction. Before is the key word. We provide the warning before destruction comes. And we must provide that warning to those who are without Christ and still in their sin. That's where the warning goes out to. We're the watchmen to provide that warning to unbelievers that there is a consequence for the lifestyle that you live. That's our job, church, as watchmen. So who and what are we to be looking out for and looking out for to provide this watchman, to provide this warning to? All right, we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 7. We're going to just be in that one verse, and we're going to camp out in it for a minute. All right? Ezekiel 33, verse 7. Here it goes. It says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak, and give them warning from me. See, what God is doing here is he's comparing the prophet Ezekiel to a watchman. 
And if he warns the people faithfully, but they don't hear, they're going to be responsible for their own fate. But if he fails to warn the people and they perish, what's going to happen is that God holds Ezekiel accountable for that. So because of that, because we are also watchmen, let's look at this person, this watchman. Let's see what this is all about, y'all. Because we are the world's watchmen. So we want to look at this verse. Look at it real closely. It says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman. Now the first thing we notice in that is that God is the one who made or commissioned Ezekiel to be the watchman. It was God who chose him. God who called him out. God who made him what he was today. It was God who was responsible for that. And let's consider the job of the watchman. What is it that he's supposed to do? Well, the watchman would sit on a high place and would possibly be like a tower or a high wall of the city. And he would, especially at nighttime, he would have to be extra vigilant when was the rest of the city was asleep. So while everybody slept, the watchman was on duty. While everybody was asleep, the watchman was doing his job. See, I think about the church when I think about this. As the church sleeps, we need to be out there doing the job, all right? We need to be doing the work of the ministry. Now, he was the one, he was extra diligent, and it was presumed that they were safe from attack because the watchman would sound a warning if the enemy approached. So if he saw the enemy approaching, he would sound a warning, and this warning would be a call to arms for the people to act. And if you were sleeping in the city, what kind of watchman would you want on that tower? What type of person would you want to be the watchman if you were sleeping and resting and looking for protection in that city? The type of watchman you want is somebody who was alert, dependable, focused, and genuinely cared for the people he was entrusted to protect. In other words, you would want somebody who loved the people. You would want someone who had genuine love for the people he was to watch over. And what if the watchman didn't do his job? What if he failed to do it? What if he was embarrassed to wake the people up? Or if he was scared of hurting their feelings? Or he was just afraid to open up his mouth? What, what, would, you, what would you think of that? What would happen? People would die. If the watchman was afraid, embarrassed, scared of hurting people's feelings because he woke them up, the people would die. The enemy would break through the gates, overrun the city, and people would perish. The watchman was necessary. And what would we think of a person who had that responsibility of being a watchman but failed to do their job? What would we think of that person? What if we think what would we think if we allow if that person allowed thousands of people to, to die because he didn't provide that warning? We would think they were negligent, irresponsible, selfish, and self-centered, right? What would we think of somebody who was the watchman? commissioned by God to be the watchman and didn't do their job. And notice he was to be a watchman for the house of Israel. For the house of Israel. That means Ezekiel was to be the watchman for his people, the Israelites, the people of his community. That's who he was to watch out for. The people in his community. And um, these were the people who he had relations with. People who he can relate to. I know, I think about me, I'm a Chicagoan. I was born here, I was raised here, and I'm gonna die here, all right? I don't wanna go to the suburbs, I don't wanna go to the country, I don't wanna move to Florida, I wanna stay in Chicago. This is all I know, 
This is all I love. These are my people. When I leave out of Chicago, even if I go to a similar city, like Boston, they're too polite. If I go to New York, they're too rude. All right? If I go to the South, they just, that's a whole nother world. All right? I like Chicago. I know my city. I know my people. And I love my people in my city. I can relate to Chicago people. I can talk about B96 back in the, or, uh, in the uh, not B96, WBMX back in the, the 80s, all right? Who, who's down with that? Who's, who's in their 40s up in here? Yeah, you know about BMX, don't you? BMX, Oak Park, Chicago. Come on. Mickey Mixon Oliver, Julian Chumpin Perez. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See? We know. House music. Come on. House music. The CTA. Mayor Daly. Corruption. All right? We understand each other. Waiting on the Cubs to win a World Series, all right? We understand each other. Chicagoans know each other. You're my people. We know each other, we understand. And these were, the house of Israel was Ezekiel's people. These were the ones he was to be the watchman for. And then it says, finally in the passage it says, so hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. So God would speak to Ezekiel, but it was up to him to pay attention to the voice of God which meant Ezekiel had to listen. Ezekiel had to listen to what it is that God had to say. Yeah. Then what happened is Ezekiel would have the responsibility to warn the people of the dangers they faced based upon what God had told him. So he was to take that message from God and communicate it to the people. Sound familiar, right? Take that message from God and communicate it to the people. And church, God has made us watchmen in our world today. He has made us, the church, watchmen in our world today. And there's three things I want to just put out to you guys. Our message as God's watchmen, first and foremost, is the gospel. That's the message that we have that was communicated from God to us. The gospel, the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a simple message, y'all. It's a simple message. You see, we got to tell them that there's such a thing as sin and it separates us from God who will judge and condemn sinners to hell. There is a danger coming and we must beware. Our sin has consequences. God will not overlook our behaviors, our thoughts, our ways. He will not and he cannot. His holiness will not allow him. His justice will not allow him. He cannot just overlook it and say it's okay. Sin has consequences. Sound the alarm, ring the bell. The enemy is approaching and that enemy is you. The enemy is in you. It's not the devil pecking at your door. It's you. It's your sin. It's the consequences of living a lifestyle that you choose. So we must sound the warning. And it's a problem we all deal with because all have sinned and fallen short of God's expectations. God is holy, we are not. We fall short. We've got to pay the piper. So we fall short of God's expectations. But the good news of this gospel is that Jesus voluntarily came as a man. He lived that perfect life that we could not. And he died to pay the penalty for our sins as an act of extreme love and compassion, and that he rose from the grave to demonstrate God's approval of his work on the cross and to show us that when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you too can have eternal life. Amen. 
That's the good news of the gospel. That's something we need to shout from the mountaintops if we believe it. Now, I know what the gospel's done for me. All right? I used to be in the hood back in the day. North Avenue and Laramie. All right? And I was, I was, I was into some stuff back in the day. So I know what I was. And I know what the gospel has done for me. That's why I get excited about the gospel. Because I know the transforming power that this message has. But the thing is that in faith, you, somebody, you have to acknowledge that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And surrender to him and strive daily to become more like Christ. To receive this message, it must be done by faith. It's not just in the intellect. It's got to move those 19 inches from the head to the heart and become a reality in your life. Amen. This is the message we gotta tell people. It's not good enough to know. Yes. It's not good enough to know. You got to believe in your heart. You got to have faith. And the great thing on this message is that Jesus returned to heaven with the Father and he has entrusted us, the church, with the task of being watchmen and spreading that message of good news to other people. We have been entrusted with that message. Do you understand that? Jesus left. We're all that remains to proclaim this good news message to other people. Praise God. We're the only ones left. The only ones left. And the watchman's message, y'all, is not just come to church. That's not the people think, oh yeah, I invited my, my, my cousin to church. That's not evangelism. That's Amen. not the gospel. It's not the gospel. All right? Coming to church is great, but that's not the gospel. We have a lot of nice people in the church. That's true. But the message is, come to Jesus. He's going to meet your needs for forgiveness and eternal life. It's not come to church. If you're going out there and you're saying, come to Metro or come to North Corner, that's not the gospel. That's not the message that Christ died for. Good Lord, if he, said to die, if he died saying, come to church, I, I, that would be the most miserable message ever. Because sometimes I'm miserable coming to church. Sometimes, more often than not, I'm miserable coming to church because church people can be rough. But if that's the message, then we fail. If that's what we teach our people, we fail. But that's what many churches teach. That's what they think is the message. Come and see our performance. Come over to our little, our little event that we're going to have for, for the kiddies. That's not the message, y'all. And that's it's a good thing. I'm, hey, if you want to do that, that's great. But if that's all you're doing, you fail in the gospel message. Amen. All right? You can have that plus the gospel. Yes. That's right. But most people don't have that plus the gospel. They just have that. And some churches don't even have that. Mm. All right? Some don't even have that. And usually we fail to share this message because we fear rejection, ridicule, and embarrassment. And deep down inside, we fear for ourselves. We don't fear the other person. The fear is in us. The trepidation is in us. So what happens is that we got to overcome our personal fears and hang-ups and think about the welfare of those around us and the spiritual dangers they face if they remain in their sin. We got to move out of our selfish mindset and think that there is life and death consequences in here, people. That people will go to hell and die and be without God forever, separated from him for eternity. Because there's going to be a time where time doesn't exist no more and all that's left is eternity. And they will be separated from God. 
And God forbid if somebody is separated from them because you didn't tell them about Jesus. God forbid. Now the second thing is our territory as God's watchmen is our city. Our territory is our city. You see, we live in a world, in a nation, even in a neighborhood where most people don't know the true God. And within our church's target community, over there in uh, Portage Park, we did a survey, uh, a professional survey done, and almost 40% of the population over there was completely unchurched. Wow. No church affiliation at all. No gospel, nothing at all. Almost 40%. And my guess is it's pretty similar in this area too because we're pretty close to one another. And so God's placed you guys in a real geographic area to influence people with the gospel. Amen. He has placed you here to influence this neighborhood, to influence this city with the gospel message. Amen. That's our, our territory. And we have a message from God that our city needs to hear. Amen. And this message comes straight from God, is found in the Bible, and if the church does not proclaim it, nobody else would. That means it's our job, it's our responsibility, it's something we cannot push on to the pastors or um, evangelists or missionaries. It's our job to do this. If you don't do it, no one else will. Those people in your circle of influence, if you don't tell them about Jesus, who is? They're unsaved family members? Come on. It's your job. It's your responsibility. And make no mistake about this, y'all. Make no mistake about this. One church is not, not as good as another because there are those who are not preaching the full gospel message and leading others to know Jesus. One church is not as good as another in this area. In fact, my guess is most churches are not leading in this area with evangelism and the gospel. If so, we wouldn't have the highest murder rate in the country. We wouldn't have a gang problem that existed from the 40s and 50s and 60s still going strong. All right? One church is not as good as another in this. And a survey was made that 90% of those surveyed, listen to this, 90% of those surveyed said the purpose of the church is to meet their spiritual needs. And only 10% said it was to win the loss to Christ. Can you believe that? 90% said the church's job is to meet my needs. What do you have for me? How is your children's program? Oh, these facilities don't look as nice. It seems a little crowded up in here. I don't have enough parking. Am I right, Pastor Joe? Come on, amen. There's not enough parking. I can't come here. It's too crowded. This children's ministry over here is better. They have a bigger choir at this place, and you guys only have a few instruments. The light show isn't as spectacular back here as at the other place. You're not meeting my needs. When your job is to be in a place that goes with the gospel, wins the loss to Christ. And maybe this is part of the 10%. You think so? That 10% that want to win the loss to Jesus? My guess is this is part of that 10% that gets it. Because I know Pastor Joe gets it. And the third thing I want us to look at is our people as God's watchmen. Our people as God's watchmen, which is our circle of influence. That means, what of our family and friends? These are the people who we love, and of course we want the best for them. Those are the people within our immediate circles, uh, circle of influence. Our family, our friends, our co-workers who we care for, and who we love. 
And we associate ideas, uh, we associate love with ideas like security, peace, happiness, passion, pleasure. But love also involves responsibility. It involves responsibility. If you say you love someone, you have a responsibility towards that individual. And if we truly love the people in our life, then what we have to do is we have to take God's truth to them, especially the truth of the gospel. The most loving thing that you can do is to tell the people around you about Jesus. Amen. That's the most loving thing that you can do. Amen. There's nothing that compares. Nothing that even comes close. Tell them about Jesus. The most hateful thing that you can do is to let people remain ignorant and stay in their sins. All right? Now, I'm not talking about beating somebody over the head with the gospel. All right? What I'm talking about is letting them know. Giving them an opportunity to understand. Speaking to them about the love of God for them. It's the most loving thing you can do. And if you don't do it, point blank, you don't love them. If you say, yeah, but they know my past. They know that I've done this and I've done that. No, that's a testimony, y'all. That's, that's not an embarrassment. That's a testimony. Okay? That's a testimony. I got somebody who's going to be leaving our church next week because they can't get over my past. Things that I did 17, 18, 19 years ago when I was an unbeliever. And they can't get over it. So they're leaving. I kid you not. They're leaving because they can't get past that. But I'm so glad that Jesus got past it. I'm so glad that he overlooked it. I'm so glad that he said, as far as the east is from the west, so my sin's been forgiven. That there's no more condemnation than for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's a message of love, y'all. That's a message of release. That's taking off a burden. That's allowing people to have a full life. Okay? That's allowing generational change. It's the most loving thing you could do when you tell people about Jesus. So what we're doing today is an extreme act of love. The fact that you are here today and going out there is love in action. The Bible says, do not love with just words alone, but love in action. This is it. This is what God's talking about. You're doing it. You need to give yourself a hallelujah and a chair because you're doing what the Lord has called you to do. And I compliment everyone here today. You got my respect, if that's worth anything, but you got my respect. I give you props. I give you props. You're doing what the Lord said. You're changing lives. And that's what it's all about, y'all. Transforming lives. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Now, now we know who we are. Now we, so now we know who and what we are to be on watch for, right? We know who and what we're to be on watch for. Real quick story. Years ago, a story appeared in a Northwestern newspaper concerning a truck driver who, on a foggy night, plunged his car, his, his truck, down a river gorge where he expected to find a bridge, but the bridge wasn't there, and he went down this gorge and he crashed. But miraculously uninjured, the, the truck driver managed to crawl from his wreck and make his way back up the road. Now, he would frantically wave his arms and scream at approaching vehicles, doing all he could to warn them of impending danger. The bridge is out. Turn around. Stop what you're doing. Don't go no further. And most of the traffic on this foggy night ignored his pleas. They considered him nuts, but to their own peril. They plunged off the cliff to their doom. 
And such is the situation we face today, y'all. Many have actually experienced pitfalls in life and they know they're in the wrong direction, but the warnings from Christians go unheeded. And in fact, most Christians are ridiculed for, for having the arrogance to, uh, to tell others that they're going the wrong way. Who are you to tell me I'm going the wrong way? If I want to plunge off the cliff, I can do that. Who are you to tell me? There's an arrogance about that they think about us. But, um, but there's not, it's not an arrogance. It's not uh, 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 that we think we're better. It's a genuine concern because we know that when you plunge off of this cliff at death, that you're going somewhere where you never, ever want to be, which is hell. That's why it's important for us, church, to be the watchman, to speak God's truth to other people, to tell them about the dangers that they face with sin. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to tell people that your sin has separated you from God, that you have a problem, that you have an issue. And it's not your problem, it's all of our problems. And because that sin separates you from God, you have a problem, but God has a solution. He has provided for us a way out through the Lord Jesus Christ, through that wonderful and glorious gospel, through his death on the cross, which paid for our sins, through his resurrection of the dead, which showed God's stamp of approval. And if you believe and have faith in that, you will be saved. If you follow after Jesus as Lord, you will be saved. And what if the church acted as watchmen and we protected those who are without Christ? What if we made their spiritual welfare our personal business and responsibility? What a change we would make, church, if we took responsibility for those in our care, for those we are to be watchmen over. So guys, let's go and confront the others with the reality of their sin and where their sin will take them. Then let's tell them about the good news of the saving work of Jesus Christ. Let's go out there today mission-minded. We are frontline soldiers today. No more are you in the background. We're not, you know, in the military, we had frontline soldiers. I was a frontline soldier. And then we had the people in the rear for the support. Support was necessary. But the frontline soldiers are where the action was at. Today, you're frontline soldiers. Your front line. In fact, we can even say that you're paratroopers because paratroopers drop behind the enemy lines. You're being dropped behind the enemy lines. All right? And but but your artillery support is gonna be the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's gonna come behind. And as Pastor Joe would say, when the time comes for you to confront that person with the gospel, boom, shakalaka. Alright? The Holy Spirit's gonna come. He's got your back. But your front line. Yes. Super duper paratroopers today. Alright? That's what we're going out there for. Confront people with that gospel message. Do not be afraid. Do not be ashamed. Do not be worried. God's got your back. Alright? God's got your back. You're going to be rejected. People are going to think you're crazy. You're going to get weird looks. Maybe some people will laugh at you. But that's okay. Can you handle that? Can you hang? Are you worried? Are you afraid what somebody's going to think about you? Heck no. Because at the end of the day, we want only one person to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's who we're working for today. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, Lord, we give this time to you. We ask your holy hand of protection to be upon these saints today, Lord God, so that when we go out there today, 
that we move with your power. Dispatch your angels around us today for protection, Lord God, so that we move in your safety. It's been one of the concerns that people have had from my church is that going back to Humble Park, a place where most of them grew up around, and that safety issue is a concern. So we're asking you, Father, keep everyone here today safe, Lord God. That's our first and foremost desire, Lord. Keep us safe. Secondly, Lord, let us move out with your power. Let us be preaching and talking and telling people about the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us never forget what he has done in us through that gospel. And let it be a motivational factor that will move us forward to tell people about Jesus. And let us remember that if we don't do this, nobody else will. This may be the last chance that somebody has to hear about the gospel. Don't pass up this opportunity. Don't pass up this opportunity. Father God, Lord, just strengthen everyone here to do your will, to do your desires, Lord God. And Father, when we move out, let us move out not in the glory of ourselves, not in the glory of Metro or North Corner or any other church, but let us always move out for your glory, Lord God, that your name will be praised, that people will know you, that your kingdom will expand in the territory of the devil, and at the end of the day, you will be glorified. So, Father, help us today. Move in our hearts today and work in us today. And, church, we pray this in the name of Jesus. And we say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. I would like um, to ask that we could have Berto, some, just elders and deacons that are here. We want to join together with North Corner. We want to ask you to pray for Pastor Mike and myself. Pastor Mike, would you come back up? We just want to believe God that while we do street ministry, and you can hear I do street ministry. That's why I got the crazy Joe voice. Um, we want to make sure that our unity is guarded and protected. And I asked some of his leaders to be here, but they're out preparing. And so I know you guys are here. You understand. And maybe whenever they come by, they can pray for us as well. But uh, why don't you just come around us, lay hands on us, and just believe God to keep unity and that others would join with us. Berta, would you lead out that prayer? Holy Father, Lord God, we, uh, we commit this relationship, Lord, to brothers in the Lord God. God, you send them out to plant your bride, to plant your bride, and to raise up leaders, and to go out and share the gospel, 